Thanks for downloading show 28 of the C-Suite podcast, which I'm recording here at the European Communications Summit in Brussels. And the first of the speakers that I managed to grab some time with is Elaine Cameron, who is a futurist and senior director at Burson Marstella. Welcome to the show, Elaine. Thank uh, you. That's okay. Now, your session uh, was titled Advantage Women. Uh, can you give our listeners a summary of uh, what you were presenting? Yes, I, I did try to explain, because I am a futurist at Bursa Marstella, that people might find it rather strange that a futurist is talking about gender balance in the workplace. And um, the reason for that is because, as a futurist, I track signals of change, and I've been tracking signals of change around women and women's empowerment, politically, technologically, uh, economically, for eight years. And so that's what uh, I was giving people an overview view of, the sort of trends that are driving uh, women's gender balance in the workplace, the barriers that still exist, and then talking about the communication tools that can help overcome those barriers. Let's go through some of those those trends that you that you were saying um, sort of are driving the rise of, of women in business. Can you pick out a couple of the, the, the key? Well, first of all, there's the sort of economic empowerment of women generally. They now control $20 trillion worth of global spending power, which is enormous. Um, they also are rising entrepreneurs. It's, it's being described that women are now in a golden age of entrepreneurship. And I think that's really key because um, entrepreneurship obviously drives the global economy. Women are much higher on the political agenda. There's landmark legislation being passed around the world on things like pay parity and transparency around pay and women's uh, matern maternity, paternity, shared parental leave, for example. So um, they've got a higher political representation, um, slowly getting higher into um, managerial positions and leadership positions. But as I said, there are still quite a lot of barriers in place. Well, why, why, I'll, I'll come back to you on the, uh, on the political uh, uh, situation, but why, why, what are those barriers then? With all that happening, why are there still these barriers uh, preventing women achieving their aims in business? Uh, many of them are uh, the sort of traditional cultural norms and the biggest barrier, which was Frost and Sullivan that did a report on this last year, the biggest number one barrier to prevent women getting into leadership positions in business is the fact that they still carry the greatest responsibility for family care. And they don't have the same levels as of support as men. Senior level men are five times more likely to have a stay-at-home partner. So that's a, a massive barrier for women. And they're also underestimated in terms of the uh, amount of business results that they're driving. Um, so there are lots of barriers still in place. I read an interview um, in the Metro uh, in London last week um, with actress and activist uh, Emma Watson, um, and, and she was all for positive discrimination to address the, the imbalance for women. What's your thoughts on that? This is um, quite a complex subject and quite fraught with different opinions on it, very polarised, I think. My personal opinion is exactly the same as Emma Watson's, in that we can't wait 200 years, as McKinsey says, to allow this to happen holistically over time. We do need to do that kind of quota, positive discrimination, 
Even Christine Lagarde, who was vehemently opposed to quotas, has recently said she just doesn't see how else we're going to achieve gender balance. Okay. Um, now, picking up on what you said earlier about um, the political situation, there is a very good chance uh, we could have female leaders of, uh, in, in both the US and UK very soon. Um, if that happens, as a futurist, you should be able to tell us. Um, <laughs> but if that happens, do you, do you think that's going to help empower more people, uh, more women, uh, rather, to, to push for leadership roles? I think absolutely. I think um, we are very influenced by what we see in popular culture, by what we see in politics, by what we see in the media, and we're looking for role models to lead the way. And I think that will be a massive boost to women to try harder, to keep keep, keep going. Okay. Now, now on that on that uh, sort of topic, um, you shared a great video um, in, in your in your session, which I'll um, I'll link to when I do a write up of, of the podcast. Um, and it showed how gender stereotypes are formed at a really early age. Uh, what, what can we do to overcome this issue? Um, we had a discussion after my talk in the room, and it is very much about how we raise children and the kind of messages that we give to our children to literally redraw that balance at an early age because that video that I showed showed that gender stereotypes and thoughts about uh, those stereotypes are embedded very early between the ages of five and seven years old. So it really is, I think, it lies within the responsibility of the parents of children and how they're brought up in a way that is gender neutral. Okay, so uh, final question. If um, Obviously, there was a, a lot covered in, in your session. If uh, our listeners want to get in touch with you or find out more information about the kind of stuff that you're working on, where, where can they do that? Well, on our website, bm.com, we've actually just recently launched a new offering called Advantage Women. And this is about the internal change programs to get that sort of cultural change within businesses, the external reputation programs, and the marketing to win over women. All of that is on the bm.com website. And I also have my own Twitter handle, at futureperspe, which is short for Future Perspective. And I can be contacted on there that's brilliant elaine cameron thanks for joining the show uh, we are back after this break consumers are 10 times more likely to buy goods or services if addressed in their own language conversus enables international businesses to communicate their message across different languages and cultures for translation and localization of your pr comms and website content multilingual desktop publishing and audio dubbing and subtitling of videos visit conversus.com Welcome back to the C-Suite podcast with me, Russell Goldsmith, here in Brussels at the European Communication Summit. And joining me now is Jeremy Guillem, who is lead corporate reputation consultant at stakeholder communications agency Black Sun. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you very much. Uh, now, you've uh, released a report here at the conference, um, which was entitled Navigating Social Acceptance. So begs the first question, what's social acceptance? Yes, it's a good question. Social acceptance is the point at which an organization is recognized as a meaningful contributor to society. Okay. So it means that uh, it's got broad support from a range of stakeholders and broader than you know traditionally speaking stakeholders have been considered i mean this includes the general public as a key stakeholder okay this is why we call it social acceptance right, right. what were the key findings that, that so the key through? findings are um i'm, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit and go through what we've tried to look at with this research. Basically, yeah. we've tried to break down social acceptance in a number of steps that organizations can take to unlock social acceptance. So, so social acceptance, in a way, is the outcome 
of a well-driven process, if you want. And that process is about understanding your stakeholders. It's about aligning your business to your stakeholders in the way you speak and act as a business. And it's about engaging your stakeholders on the progress that you're making in meeting those needs and expectations. Sure. Yeah. So this is what we're after. The findings themselves show that fortunately and unfortunately, there, there is some progress being made on each of these steps, but there are a number of gaps as well that remain. So if, you, if I take understanding stakeholders, for instance, we found out that about 86% of communicators say that uh, their company has a clear knowledge of who the key stakeholders are. But when, when we ask them about, okay, what do you do with that knowledge? How, do you collect their feedback in a, in a way that's systematic? Do you do something with it? Yeah. Actually, you see that score going dramatically down. So it means that you know, there is knowledge, there is assets there, but it's not always leverage. And what companies need to do now is actually use those body of knowledge uh, to make sure that they act upon it and listen to their stakeholders more actively. Was there anything that surprised you in, in, the, uh, in the findings? Anything that really stood out that you weren't expecting? Yes, I think one key point is, one key question we asked is, um, do you use stakeholder expectations to uh, inform your communication strategy? Do you use these expectations to inform your business strategy? And then do you use them to inform your culture and the way people behave in the organization? Mm -hmm. And asking those three questions in that order, you see a straight down cascade. A lot of people use it for communications. Fewer, a lot fewer use them for actually informing business strategy. And even fewer use those expectations to actually change the behaviors of their people. Okay. So what we're saying is that it kind of stays at a communications level and it needs to translate now at a business strategy level. Yeah. You've just presented the uh, findings here at the conference. How, how did that go? It went really well. I mean, we had a, a really uh, engaged crowd in our session. And uh, I think people were very curious and interested about the ways you can make a, such a broad concept like social acceptance as something a little bit more concrete as yeah. something you can act upon as a communicator so that was a really good session any challenging questions from the um audience? yes we got a few I, I think one of those was um how do you measure it how do you measure course, social yeah, acceptance yeah. and and the honest answer is that I, I don't think you can measure it as such. What you can measure is the different steps that are going to take you to social acceptance. So once again, it's about social acceptance as a broad outcome, but try to measure the, in, the intermediary steps that can get you to, to that. So yeah. stakeholder perceptions, behaviors within your organizations, these are things that you know can be easily measures, measured, and uh, you can see whether the behaviors in your organization match the stakeholder expectations. That is entirely achievable. So it's not about measuring a broad, abstract concept yeah. as social acceptance. Have you got any examples of where you've actually worked with your clients through through the whole process that you could share? Yeah. So what there there is rarely a client case study where you actually work on social acceptance as such. And this is what I was saying you will most likely work on different steps that will take you to to that so what we do as a as a company is for instance uh, organizing stakeholder consultations so that's the very first step it's about understanding who your stakeholders are and how they perceive your organizations and what they expect from you so that's a very concrete 
project type work that we would do for a client right. uh, and that l is a first step towards social acceptance okay. but then it's all about okay how do you you know, how do you change the way you speak, the way you act, the way you demonstrate uh, the change in your organization based on those expectations? Uh, and that leads you to business strategy and communication strategy. And, and so have you got any tips for, for any communicators looking to learn more about this whole area? Yes, I think the key tips is, there are a number of them, but I would say you need to start by listening actively and carefully to your stakeholders. So it means running stakeholder consultations or having even ad hoc conversations, but making sure that feedback that comes back to the organization is recorded in a way that is quite robust and that can be shared across the organization. So that's absolutely key. And that's something that not many organizations have in place. Sure. And I'd say a second one is, Whenever you commit to something uh, to your stakeholders, make sure you always follow up on your commitment. There are too many organizations these days who are keen to consult, keen to listen, and then kind of let it down in the delivery. If you ask your stakeholders to input in your strategy, input in your communications, you need to, you're accountable to them and you need to let them know what you've done with their feedback. Okay. Well, this is all good stuff. Um, obviously, the, the report's available here at the conference, but for anyone listening, where can they go for, for more information? So we've got a, a dedicated page on our website, which is uh, blacksunplc.com slash social dash acceptance. Excellent. Jeremy Gillem of Black Sun, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat to us. Thanks for having me. Support for the C-Suite podcast comes from Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Broadcast Specialist Marketeers. Market hires? Tears. Tears. Half of the world's most valuable brands. User marketeers. Delivering stories and content on air, online and to mobile that capture attention. Marketeers. Switch on the power of broadcast. Very nice. I use marketeers. You do? I love it. Welcome back to the C-Suite podcast and joining me for this uh, final interview of the European Communication Summit is Marzen Nahawi, Chief Executive Officer of media intelligence agency Karma. Uh, now you've just presented a session called Tribal Relations and uh, it was billed as how understanding of trust will change amidst the uh, failures of political communications and I, and I guess given the amount of backtracking on both sides of the Brexit argument that's going on uh, since the vote in the UK, this is pretty timely. We think it's very timely. It captures how people are coming together, coalescing around ideas and not by ethnicity or gender or location. It's also very pertinent to US politics with the rise of Donald Trump, things related to the Arab Spring in the Middle East, and we find it to be a global phenomenon. It's quite a worrying time at the moment. <laughs> it is a worrying time. Lots of populism, but being able to understand why people come together and what drives them yeah. is really part of what we're trying to achieve with our research. And, and how was the session received? We think it went very well. We had 20 or 25 quite senior people who attended, and we had a fantastic dialogue. And any uh, interesting sort of outputs or, or outcomes? Any questions that were raised? There were many questions. I think people were surprised that a measurement company like us brought in a historical context, a psychological context, as well as media analysis and opinion data all blended together to understand the truth behind what makes people tick. Yeah, so it's interesting because I was going to ask, how, how does that relate to what you guys do for a living? Well, at Karma, we're trying to take measurement to a different level. Traditionally, our industry has focused on clip counts, advertising value equivalencies, and so on. But we believe that a CEO, a C-level management team require 
insight and data which is much more in-depth and it needs to have a historical context, a business context, a psychological context, not just media analysis and opinion data. By blending them all in together, you get a holistic view and you really understand the people you're trying to serve. And these tribes that, uh, that you're talking about that, that, that form, obviously it, it's not uh, territories or, or country specific. So I was keen to understand, I mean, we're at a European conference now, but, but I guess this can be global. So how do you track those trends across the different territories? Because obviously you're dealing with different cultures and different languages. How, do, how does that all come together? Well, it's an excellent question. And the word modern tribe is really a, euphemi a euphemism for a stakeholder group. And a stakeholder group, unlike the past, when we used to classify them by income, location, gender, and so on, a modern tribe is one which is classified by interests and passions which unite the people within that tribe. And they are multi-everything. They're transnational, they're multicultural, but what they really want to do is bound together in order to achieve a particular goal, whether political or social. And so how does Karma work with your clients to, to understand all, all these trends? We use multiple sources of data. So we take all forms of opinion data through surveys and social media. We use media content analysis to look at traditional and digital media. But we also use what we call the sector expertise model, which is making sure we have experts in automotive, in defense, in sociology, who can really comment on how things are changing and why, and put all of our research within a historical, psychological, and business perspective to provide that holistic view. Okay, so those people that were in the session have gone away some, uh, with some good information, but where can our listeners go to find out more about this whole area of tribal relations? Well, they can visit us at karma.com or visit any one of our social handles at karma at Twitter or on LinkedIn and Facebook. They can also find our presentation at the European Association of Communications Directors website. Okay, excellent. Now, um, on a separate note, uh, just read on your website that you uh, picked up three awards recently at Amex uh, Award Ceremony for 2016, which is uh, the Association of Measurement and Evaluation of Communication. And uh, you were also runner-up in the Communications Research and Measurement Company of the Year. That must have been a nice night. It was an exciting night. We've had a good run for a few years and we're getting closer to the big prize. We did actually win the ultimate awards a couple of years ago, but we haven't won Agency of the Year yet. So to come in second was very, very good. Okay, so that's a challenge and for next year. Uh, <laughs> it's a challenge for next year, but very, very happy with the result and a uh, good accomplishment by our team. Brilliant. Well, uh, Mazen Harwi of Karma, uh, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to chat to us on the C-Suite podcast. Thank you. Pleasure. Now, um, don't forget, you can listen to all previous shows of this series by subscribing to us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for the C-Suite podcast. And uh, if you can, when you're there, give us a, a positive rating, help us up the charts. And if you uh, want to get in touch with me about the show, drop me a line on Twitter using at Ross Goldsmith or um, via the contact form at c-suitepodcast.com. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <laughs>